Hello, Hi. welcome to the patch. This week brought to you by Marvel Avengers Academy and Squarespace. They threw me off. I wasn't expecting them in the middle for some reason. Yeah, they, they've <laughs> consolidated to the center of the screen. I'm, I, I've been gone. I was gone last week. Thank you to our sponsors. Yeah. We'll talk more about them in a bit. Uh, I was in Las Vegas for DICE, which is uh, an annual gaming convention. Or It's weird to call it a convention. It's almost like a conference where... Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's industry and it's game developers, but it's almost... It's 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 not it's not like GDC. Right. It's like it's, it's, a condensed. Right. It's like a celebration version. of video games as an art form, but it's attended by very high level pe uh, members like of the, the industry game industry. Luminaries. So what were right. you doing there? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually I actually hosted a roundtable while I was there. And you did? Yeah. It was it was it was it was really a weird trip. I felt like an adult for the first time <laughs> in a long time. What roundtable did you host, Gus? Um. I well actually I I, I sat in on. First, before I hosted one, I sat in on one about, about building online communities um, with uh, that was that was uh, moderated by Randy Pitchford, and then I hosted one about like online influencer marketing, and I did that. <laughs> this, this episode <laughs> of the Patch brought to you by Marvel Avengers Academy, um, but it, it was really good. And there's a lot of it, it, influencer marketing. Oh, oh, I see. I see. We, we were I just was like momentarily so influenced. We're like, I, I yeah. don't understand. See, this is a panel sponsor. Subliminal. Um, so, the, but the, the the weird thing about it is, since it's a conference, normally you go to a conference and there's like tons of different talks, and you have to choose what you're going to do. But at Dice, it's just like one panel at a time, and you go in and you listen, and you listen to a couple, and then there's like a break, and you get coffee, and then you come back and you listen. And they let off with a really fascinating uh, panel discussion. Uh, it was about interactive storytelling, and it was hosted by uh, Randy Pitchford and Penn Jillette from Penn & Teller. Interesting. Because Randy Pitchford, I guess, is big into magic. And uh -huh. I've seen a previous talk of his at Dice like two years ago where he did like some magic tricks You're on right, stage. Yeah. Uh, but this one, I, I, I learned a lot. Penn Jillette talked a lot about like up-close magic and street magic and about principles in delivering that kind of magic that can be applied to interactive storytelling. Like misdirection. Well, yes, but not in the way you think of it. So the, what he talked about was, so he talked about like, you see like a magician who does a card trick, right? Like pick a card, any card. Mm -hmm. He says that when a magician comes up to you and says that, they don't necessarily know what trick they're going to do. It depends on what card you pick. Right. It's like they hope you pick a certain card, and if you pick that card, they'll go with the trick they had in mind. If you don't pick that card, but you pick one from somewhere else, then they're going to be like, okay, well, now I can, it narrows it down. Now I can do one of these tricks. And then as it progresses, then they learn to feel out the trick depending on <laughs> what feedback they're getting from the person who's, uh, who they're doing the trick with. Interesting. And, uh, and so and they talked about like branching storylines in video games and how that mm -hmm. could apply, like how stories can be different based on the interaction that you're having with the person participating. That's a little weird, though. It's like, all right, here's someone that's not in this industry who's going to tell you how your industry could do something. Well, it's like he didn't say, like, it was, this was good advice. It was just more like insight from the crossover, you know, from the magic industry. I mean, from what you describe, yeah, it makes yeah, – I can see how that some of those insights would be interesting. It's just like, here's a fireman. He's going to tell you how being a fireman <laughs> can influence video game development. It's like, all right. Well, he also opened up the when, – when Penn Jillette was talking, he also opened up the talk by saying that, you know, up until a few years ago, he never played video games. But he was always a very staunch advocate for, like, video game rights and not blaming – not demonizing video games for – As a medium. Right, for violence or anything like that. That video games it's, – it's no different than any other medium. It's not like brainwashing people to go out and become murderers. But and as a result of that, like, he started trying to play more and get, in, get into it. And So I thought it was, uh, that was probably the most interesting one to me, like, the whole – 
different way to look at storytelling. No, that's cool. And and keep in mind too that our industry, like video games, loves anyone who's been a successful in, in another entertainment medium, like like movie and TV, all that sort of stuff. We can't get it. Did something just? Are, is everyone Mariel okay in there? Mariel died. Maybe she's limping now. Uh oh, <laughs> Mariel's limping. We killed her. Someone, right. Well, some, someone broke an hourglass in there before. Speaking of which, you did it. I did yeah, it. Did it. I'm on top of nice. it. Nice. I'm, I'm week, several weeks in a row. I've not missed once. Well, someone in the control room is is busting hourglasses mm. left and right. So this one's numbers up soon. Not the baby. Um, uh, yeah. But yeah, I'll, and this panel, if you're if you're curious to watch the whole thing, I think it was like a 40 minute panel. You, I think you can watch it all on the Dice uh, YouTube channel. They, they did pretty good about putting all that stuff up. I don't know if it's DICE or official AIAS, maybe, Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences. So is there a show floor that goes with it, or is it no, just panels? it's just panels and roundtables. Hmm. Um, it's, 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 very, it's very small. And then at the very end, there's the DICE Awards, where they give out various awards uh, for video games. I think, really, you know, and, and a bunch of different places try to do award shows. I think the two that I respect the most are definitely, like, the DICE Awards and BAFTAs. Well, I think like those are the two most critically acclaimed of the, all the video game awards. Like the Dice Awards aren't gunning for like a big watcher ship, right? Like they're not selling a bunch of ads as no. compared no, to the other shows. They're more like prestigious. Right. You know, it's it's luminaries recognizing luminaries sort of thing. I actually presented a Dice Award once. That's really? Like one of the first things I did, yeah, back when I was with Fragdolls. It was really cool. It was um I think it was best action gamer, best shooter, and I'm pretty sure we gave it to Gears of War. Okay. Yeah. So it was, yeah, that's, that's cool. It was, yeah, it was a great time. It was amazing. I was, I haven't been in the last several years, but whenever I've been to DICE, I spend my, most of my time speechless and starstruck. Yeah, and, and, and that starstruck is definitely um, a good way to put it. You know, uh, one morning I showed up, I think it was on, what day was it? It was like on Thursday morning or something. I showed up. There's like a little lounge where you get coffee and stuff before session start. I showed up to get coffee. And uh, so it's like there's like a little catering thing. You pour your coffee, you make it how you want. And I'm pouring my coffee and I like just look off to my right and then I see a couch. And I'm like, could you even just sit in there? <laughs> it's like, cool. Then speaking of which, there was a bit of an awkward moment during the awards show. <laughs> yeah. Where Metal Gear Solid Five won. What, what did it win? Best, uh, it won, uh, load. Best action game? No, here it is. Adventure game of the year was Metal Gear Solid Five, And Kojima was there. He had just accepted an award a little, like, 15 minutes earlier. And I guess Konami had not sent anyone to accept the Metal Gear Solid Five award. And Kojima didn't accept it. So it was like, the presenters were like, No one okay, wants it. No Konami's not here to it. accept it. We'll be sure they get it. And then yeah. walk off stage with it. Super so. awkward stuff going Kojima? on with them. Kojima? <laughs> Do you see? Uh, but Kojima was, also... Was Todd Howard there? Todd Howard was there. <laughs> he gave a presentation. He was uh, a Q&A. Who with, was that? He's my favorite. <laughs> he's my you're, you're favorite. twirling your hair. <laughs> he's, he's like my favorite elf slash developer. He did a, 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 like a Q&A that was moderated or that was led by Pete Holmes. And uh, you got some glitter on you, right? I got glitter Clear. everywhere. Clear. You got... Uh, there we go. There you go. I think you got it. And Thanks, he, Meg. He, <laughs> does, does Ryan's one shot show all the glitter on his face? If I do this, Wait, can we get a close up on I'm Ryan? Like, here? I'm, a, I'm a disco ball right now. Camera operators running over there. Yeah. Um, oh, so bring it out. Don't we, worry we got, about gotta, it. No, no one we gotta, see gotta me have the glitter. Gotta have yeah, it. I'm, they're probably getting it enough as it is. Hopefully I'm getting it too much. I'm just as hoping it is. they're zooming way in. Do you know, you never, you're not Here we go. Look it. nice and in. You can't really see it. No. Well, you can't see it on this monitor. I'm hoping you're that in high def you will be. 
Yeah, oh, great. great. Yeah, no, you're not <laughs> aware of your face until it's got glitter on it. Then all of a sudden, the f- amount of face you see in your peripheral, it, you know, you notice it's it. all lit up. So thanks. Do you ever get you distracted? You heard it here first. Ryan is lit. <laughs> so lit. What? Do you ever get distracted by your nose? Not just, just like when now. you when you suddenly realize the existence of it and then you can see it at all times. Now I'm yeah, right now it's glittery, so I'm constantly noticing my nose. <laughs> like when, hey, 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 buddy. Good when I first got my nose there. pierced, all I could see was my piercing. Yeah, that's got to be super distracting. Right? It was pretty crazy. Like, yeah, that's new. Got to see. Yeah, and you're, you're out, like. Yeah. Um, in <laughs> fact, I heard one of the one of the reasons that people get a little disoriented in VR is because you're used to having something here that your eyes intentionally forget about. And so having that clear, people, it, it's sort of disorienting. Additional. Which is weird because, I mean, there's still a gap there. Like, your nose still exists in real life. So it's not like there's Right, but it's extra not being feedback. rendered. Well, there's not extra feedback, though. Like, sure, that, there's still a you, dead zone there. But when you have, like, the goggles and everything, it's more like this. Like, you're just, you're not yeah. seeing that, and it's pushing the image into both your eyes. So you really, you don't see that space. It's, it's not giving, your, your brain is not ignoring something. Right. It's the absence of something. Yeah, it's still blank there. It's not like there's now screen where once Look, they're I can't nose, deal with this. I need something to ignore. It's just paint your nose black. That'll get you used to it. Okay. <laughs> it's like, it's just not there. I don't think, I don't think that'll work. That's not how it works. Well, that is kind of how it works Ryan for VR because it's it just first. a dark zone. It's a lack of anything though. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, <laughs> no light reflecting. You'd just you'd have a dark nose. Try it, we'll record it, and then we'll do some testing. There we go. Actually, I, the nose thing doesn't bother me at all, so I don't know that I would do Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've had a problem with that either. Uh, but I, I do want, in a little bit, want to talk about some right, of the, the VR stuff. There's a lot, of, there there's stuff a lot of VR dice? stuff to talk about. Um, they had a little VR demo, but there was always people in line for it, and I didn't want to deal with it. So Which VR was go over? Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't get in there. It was like in a separate little room. Got it. So I didn't, I didn't ever get in line there. But uh, Todd Howard was there, and he gave a talk. He talked a lot about um, Fallout 4, and even teased that... He teased two things. He teased that there's an Easter egg somewhere in the game that nobody's found that he's disappointed that it's so it's buried somewhere in a terminal. Oh God, Todd Howard is disappointed in us. Uh, but then I saw a website. I don't know if it was Polygon wrote an article saying that maybe okay? he was full of I shit. Hold on, I, I think Ashley needs. I don't know moment. if I can take it. No, I can't take his. Do you need to go play Fallout Four right now? Just seeing, find the. Go go through every terminal. It's okay. And don't worry. Now that you said that, some you guys hacker will just help bring us. out the. Yeah. Um, and he also mentioned that Bethesda's working on, I think, three new things unlike anything they've ever worked on before. Yeah, like three, not like new games, right? Like totally new properties, new like crazy IP. stuff. Yeah. Well, he didn't really specify. Yeah, he was very vague about it. The only thing that was mm-hmm. solid was three. Of course he was. Could be like a card game. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you happy about that? Bethesda's I mean, working on new stuff? I am. I mean, they've been... They're obviously their, their biggest IPs, as far as I'm concerned, are Fallout and Elder Scrolls. Uh, you know, they, I mean, they do like they do Doom and they do a couple of other games as well. They did. More of an they, id they, thing. they published. Yeah. They published Evil Within. I hope it's Brink. That's not totally new though. So <laughs> maybe we'll it's also to totally not stuff. a good joke either. <laughs> oh. um, well, you I know, mean, so so I'd be interested in seeing other cool stuff they do because they they bought Fallout, but Elder Scrolls was uh, was originally their IP, wasn't it? And um, I think so. So if they can develop know. like something else that I love as much as Elder Scrolls, I'm on board. But if they're working on those other things, that means seems to imply that they're not working on a Fallout 5 or a new Elder Scrolls open world type game. I, I would imagine they've got to have. But he didn't say that's the only things they're working on. 
How many things could they be working on at the same time? I don't know. They just keep hiring more people. Yeah, their teams are typically pretty small. That's mm -hmm. that's you know one of their trademarks. But maybe they've got all those developers that were working on Elder Scrolls Online. They need to do something <laughs> with now. A lot of leftover people from yeah, projects you know, that didn't you, like go. You, you move people around from project to project. If they're ramping down on that, they've ramped off of Fallout, so they've got to be working on all new stuff. Depending on what level of development, like what place they're in, they could you know they could just like roll from thing to thing to thing. Mm-hmm. Like in a big gang. Like in a big I, gang? Is it like the, the jets and the uh, the other ones against the jets? Sharks? Yeah. Was it? People are laughing. When yeah, you're a tunnel snake, up. you're a tunnel snake. Um, okay, that didn't Yeah, but I, mean, well. I, I still would... I've never been the world's biggest like Elder Scrolls fan. Um, for some reason, I love RPGs, but those games have never caught me. It's almost like they're too big. Sometimes mm -hmm. I get intimidated by open world stuff. Like, I didn't... I love GTA V and I played it. I love GTA 3 and played it, but 4 never grabbed me. Like, I'm really weird about open world games. Um, and Which I, is I weird, that's because that's thing. life, right? Like, do you just get terrified when you step outside the house? Yeah, or? of course. Like, what do I do? There's so many options. There's a giant fireball in the sky. I feel you. I, I love open world games, but I'm super inconsistent yeah, like, about which ones I even consider to play. Sometimes I get overwhelmed by the number of quests. Like, that's what happened to me in Skyrim. It's just like, there's so many quests that after a while I just start focusing on story just to get through that as quickly as possible. Well, you know, that was actually a major thing uh, this week is all the reviews for Far Cry Primal hit. And uh, there was one review in particular uh, that criticized the game for having too many side quests and too many collectibles mm. and things like that, which I've never heard of as a complaint before. I thought that's kind of like the whole point of Far Cry was to do everything but the main story, do, do the collectibles, go and you know, claim all the bases or whatever. So well, I, I find that to be a very interesting criticism. But as someone who's played a lot more of it, what do you think about that? The the way that they do all that side quest stuff lends itself to that feeling because they do it kind of badly. The way a lot of those work is there'll be a thing on the, the map that's a, like a, a type of a quest, like a beast hunt, and have a question mark on it. And you go to that, and you talk to somebody, and he's like, okay... There's a bunch of dingoes killing people down by a lake. And that's the end of that conversation. Now you have another thing on your map that's the place where the actual mission is. And you, I mean, it took me a while to actually figure out that that was what was happening. I thought I was like, well, am I, am I just failing these? Because I'm going to talk to the guy and then there's no follow-up. It's not like it directs you to that other location. You have to open your map and like, oh, look, now there's one down there that doesn't have a question mark on it. And a lot of the main story missions work that way, too. It's like, go talk to this guy, and then you get another blip over there. But it's not like you're not driven that direction in All any right. way. So it just it just doesn't really update your objectives very well. It doesn't. It does, Those quests don't become quest-like. It's like, you talk to this guy for no reason other than he's going to tell you something's going down over there. Okay. And then you have to go over there and actually do the thing. So it's kind of more of a roundabout, out of the way it makes you walk somewhere it. that is completely unrelated. Because a lot of times it's not even like close to where you pick up the first part of it. For, so, And for those reasons, those kinds of quests, it makes no sense for it to be spread out like that. Mm -hmm. I don't need to go to a guy in the hills to find out that there's a problem by the lake. Uh, but aside from that, I mean, it's, it's not an unreasonable amount of things to do. Like this, The world feels like it's populated with stuff going on. Now there are, aside from the ones like, okay, there's the outpost quests, there's the... Uh, like beast hunts, there's the like the, uh, several like pop up events like is the beast rescuing the, people. Is the beast or, hunts the mini Pokemon game? Is it a mini Pokemon game? The, the one where you tame all the animals? No, no, no. Capture this them one, it's then like they fight for you. There's a bunch of like marmosets attacking a village. Go marmosets. take out all the marmosets. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
the, the, speaking of which, there was that video uh, Polygon posted of the guy reviewing all of the pets in uh, <laughs> in Far Cry Primal, which was really <laughs> fucking funny. They're pretty. I mean, they're they're, they're all pretty much the same. I gotta be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, the, some of them are slightly stealthier, some of them are slightly stronger. You can get them all really fast. Uh, the the unlock system in that game is very strange because a lot of your skills and crafting abilities are based on going out in the world and getting people. Like, you need to get a guy, and that's the guy that'll teach you how to make, or you get you, like, grappling hooks and craft uh, more things and has a lot of crafting skills, uh, which makes sense, I guess, if you were, so like, So he applying. teaches you. I mean, it's not like you go to him for guidance. It's just like, oh, now he lives in your village. That menu's open now. Um, it's like he's making it for you. Yeah, I guess. He's just shortcutting it. Sure. It's just, I don't know, kind of odd. It's like, I, yeah, you right. find craftsmen to make stuff for you. It, I it's mean, that, that makes odd. sense, but in a game sense, it's it's weird. It's it's unusual, to, and you can see them all. It's like, well, there's a grayed out thing where I need to get that guy. He's way up there in the map, so uh, you know, I'll get around to. Sounds like your there. chief complaint is having to move around the map. Well, one of the uh, I don't think it's a later skill. Like everything, I've I feel like I've been able to unlock everything pretty much at my own pace and very rapidly. Uh, skill points have been pretty much flowing freely, mm-hmm. and uh, to get to those people is pretty much you just go to them. They'll do, tell give you one quest. You do that, and then they'll come back to your village. Then you build them a hut. Um, there is a, a skill for actually riding certain animals. Okay. So I'm hoping that gets you around faster, but <coughs> then, you know, it's got fast travel. So once you get within a certain range, it's not too bad to walk. Hmm. I, I still haven't played uh, Primal. Did that just come out <coughs> today Tuesday. or yesterday? Yesterday. yesterday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I st- I but it, uh, it, it doesn't hit PC until next week, though. <coughs> Got something in my throat. Yeah, um, yeah that's, that seems like a... I was a huge fan of Far Cry 3. Far Cry 4 never really grabbed me. I don't know, something... Again, it's that whole open world thing for me. I think I got overwhelmed by uh, Quest and this ended up stopping. This may feel... It's, this is probably as bad or worse than Far Cry 4. Uh, In terms of overall scale? Just of uh, every 10 feet, there's stuff. I mean, it's you do, as you walk your way across the map, there's just stuff to do constantly. So you, I overheard you and Michael talking earlier about how now there's an option to get rid of the looting animation. That was one of my favorite finds in the game, was that you can now turn off the any loot animation. So Which any includes collection. skinning. Skinning, uh, searching, gathering <laughs> resources. Like if you're just walking by, and you, it's still got like leaves and branches and rocks. Now you can pretty much just keep running. You don't even have to stop. I just walk by it holding X and I loot whatever it is without even slowing down. One thing I always wished I could skip was the skinning animation in Red Dead Redemption. Mm-hmm. Every single it time. It gets so old, yeah. And thankfully, you can now. It's gone. That's great. I turned it off almost immediately. Uh, but, I mean, uh, I think I, I mentioned the review for the No was it is pretty much exactly, all the, the negative things that people say about it in most of the reviews are, are pretty dead on. Like, yeah, the main story is pretty... Myth. Well, it's, I mean, even to this, it's kind of random where it's like the big bad guy. You finally you encounter encounter him. He walks up to your village. He's like, "I'm going to fight you," and you just walk out to meet him by yourself. He headbutts you, throws you on the ground, and then walks off. And then ten minutes later, the rest of his tribe attack your village. And at the end of you, you kill all those guys, and they're like, "Oh yeah, the big guy. Uh, he just he just left. You yeah, bored him. You weren't out. you weren't enough for challenge. He went up north. It's like." What? Why did? Why was he there to begin with? If he wasn't going to take take part in the battle, or well, for for the headbutts, right? I guess. And why did no one come out? And I have a whole team of people back there. It's like from here to the camera. I mean, they could have shot him with an arrow. I don't know. They all have bows. 
That's, is that, it's all that's over technically there. too close for an arrow, I think. Mm-hmm. That's how it feels. It's like, oh, okay, well, everybody <laughs> there got, got lazy and let them headbutt me. They're like, I don't want to use my good arrows. I mean, uh. look, I would let him headbutt you all day long. I would stand over there and go, <laughs> he looks like an asshole. <laughs> look at that asshole. <laughs> oh, Beastmaster, not so great now. Maybe that'll get the glitter the off of his face. Uh, but, I mean, uh, that aside... I'm still actually kind of enjoying it. Like, I, I like the uh, kind of stealth approaches to things. Like, can you sneak mm-hmm. up on the village? Can you do it completely without raising alarm? That's still there, uh, very similar to 3 and 4, where you're there are 15 outposts that you can take whatever way you choose to do so. Yeah. I think that was one of the other deal breakers for me in 4, was I love that whole, like, surveying an outpost, marking everyone. There was that one enemy type that you couldn't mark, mm. and I was like, this is... This is not the way I play the game. Really? That yeah. So you, you were off. just out? Yeah, I was like, I, I, can't, I can't deal with this. Wow, that's all it took. I forget what they were. Hunters, I think, was the class? Something like that. I can't remember what they were called. Yeah. They were the ones that could, like, kind of ghost around. Right. Um, I, don't, I haven't encountered one like that in Primal yet. Okay, good. That's a, that's a big deal for me. I'm not even entirely sure how big the map is. I feel like I've unlocked a fair bit of it, but it could be much larger. Mm. Uh, you can kind of zoom out and look around, but I'm not exactly sure where the defined edge of it is. Or what the scale is. Yeah. Here, let me uh, let me read this. Uh, I want to remind everyone this ep- <laughs> this episode of the patch is brought to you by Marvel Avengers Academy. Tiny Co's latest mobile title, Marvel Avengers Academy, is out now. Experience the Marvel Avengers as you've never seen them before. Build the ultimate superhero academy and place your favorite Avengers characters reimagined as students developing their superpowers. Featuring hundreds of characters from across Avengers history in their formative years, Marvel Avengers Academies will take you on exciting and explosive adventures that Marvel fans have never seen before. Marvel Avengers Academy is also running a mascot contest to allow players to vote for a mascot to represent the Academy. The winning mascot will be gifted to all players as a decoration at the end of the contest, plus a premium in-game character, Super Iron Man, voiced by Dave Franco, will be distributed amongst the winning influencers fans base for free. Uh, six YouTubers, including Rooster Teeth, are participating in the mascot contest. Our mascot is the Ultimates. So download the game uh, at the link on screen or right there below. Uh, and vote for the Ultimates to be the winning mascot. Your chance to vote comes at the end of the first quest in the game. Voting is this Friday, February 26th, and let me tell you, we're getting our asses kicked. By who? Seriously? Everyone. We are in last place. I feel like you all have let me down. Oh, uh, come on, guys. We have 7% like of the vote. You failed the guts. 7%? Yeah, so uh, if, you, if you have a chance, download it. It's a free game. Just vote for the ultimate. Maybe the other people are w- more popular, though. Maybe they we might. should go look at them. They might be. Maybe well, we should vote for the ultimate. I voted teams. for them, too. Okay, good. No, I didn't. I totally voted for the ultimates. Sure. <laughs> That's the one that you're in, right? I'm gonna be, I am the voice of Hawkeye. Is that weird? You want to give us a little, I'm, I'm not, us a little taste? I haven't been patched into the game yet. Uh, I just recorded the audio like two weeks ago. Can, can you give us a demo? Uh, I don't want to spoil it. You'll, you'll, have to see, you'll have to see it in game. <laughs> well, well, well. Okay. Oh. So people have sent me screenshots. I guess. Justin take his voice out just for anybody. Yeah. It's like Vin Diesel with his pecs. No, he'll take those out for anybody. No, no, no. He only takes it was, those out. It was his biceps, I thought. Oh, was it biceps? Yeah. Sorry. So he'll do the, the pecs, but not the biceps. I have no idea. I just he, thought he like were, rips away the I front of the shirt. I thought Vin Diesel was all out all the time. No, no, no. He only brings those out for Riddick movies. Yeah. My bad. I forgot, what movie did that come from? Like there was a d- negotiation for one movie where they, they wanted him to show his muscles. and he Probably didn't. Iron Giant. Triple X. <laughs> no, no. It, it probably was a Triple X. <laughs> did he come back? Like he... Yeah, they, they um, offed him in Meg the was telling me that uh, there's there was an extra on one of the DVDs after he refused to come back where they like killed him off horribly, and then he was like, I'd come back for another movie, and suddenly 
They're like, that's not canon. He's alive again. Super weird. Look, it, it wasn't really him. It was just some uh, some other guy. It was a it was a spy movie, right? It's like a, it was yeah. a clone. He faked or, his death. It's a double agent. <laughs> Do you guys remember that horrific spy movie? Was X versus Sever? Oh, it that was, was a actually, video game. It was based on a yeah. game. It was the, really? it came out. Oh yeah, I'm gonna look this up. It came was out. Was that Lucy Liu and ago. Antonio Banderas? It was. Is it, was it Antonio Banderas? I, I was wondering was. who the guy was. Yeah. It had a uh, great like poster, but I never watched it because it. X had versus Sever. Yeah, it was reviews. a Game Boy game. I saw it for free. The movie was <laughs> ballistic. X versus Sever. Ballistic. They, they were giving tickets away in the Austin Chronicle. Uh, like you just you could go see the movie for free. You, so, didn't, you found them like on a, on top of a dumpster. Yeah, right? I, just, I just went and, and just grab it. It's hot movie for free. If you read the Chronicle, you can, there's a lot of movies that you can watch for free. You just have to go like <laughs> get in line. Uh oh. It's been called one of the worst movies ever made, and at the box office, it made 19.9 million on a 70 million dollar budget. Yeah, well, I, I'm pretty sure I owned the DVD though. I love terrible movies, and that one was right in like right wow. up my alley. I t- also, I t- just for the record, loved Ultraviolet. Ultraviolet. That horrific yeah. movie with the with the chick that plays um, Lilu Dallas. Yes, yeah. Milo Jovovich. Yes, where she's like a vampire or something, and it's they they it was in They've the era like like Oblivion where Bloom was the thing, and it was turned all the way up to max, and then they doubled it. <laughs> Double the max. Double the max. They they took it, doubled like maxed it, and they were like. Let's do it again and do, like layered another bloom this is on like top one of, those of it. It's like quad HD things, right? It was like, it's 4K, ridiculous. it's actually four times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it was pretty bad. <laughs> what were we talking about? Video games. Yeah, we were talking about video oh, look, games. Look, X versus Sever was oh, totally we, video primal. game. Primal. We were talking about primal. Oh, right. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. I, I've been tied up still with XCOM 2. Uh, yeah, how you that liking game, it? That game. It's fun, but it's fucking hard, man. You think so? I'm, I'm stuck on a mission right now. I just I don't know what I'm gonna do. It was like one of those missions that's rated difficult. All of my good players, all of my good soldiers are incapacitated. I'm like mm-hmm. with a bunch of rookies out there, and it's just like I don't know what I'm. Gonna, I've been. I think I've been on this mission for like a week now. Here, they beat it's you up in that me. game with wounding yeah. soldiers because it used to be in in the last XCOM, in Enemy Unknown, and in uh, Enemy Within, if you had armor on them. As long as the armor took the damage, they had like their own health. That was like the last five blocks, and those were fine. So as long as you didn't get to that, they weren't injured. Now, if they stub their toe, oh, it, it can't even go to like seriously wounded or gravely wounded off of just a single or two health block off the top. Mm-hmm. So you lose soldiers, and you have to rotate them through. And a then lot also, more. if they get wounded several times, then they become shaken and they lose will. Mm-hmm. Which makes them more susceptible to mind control and attacks from sectoids. They go and, to zero will. Yeah, and um, you need the only way to repair that is to have them do well in combat. So it's like they're they're shaken. They're not going to be very good at combat, and you need to send them out, and they need to do good in order to recover. Thankfully, it doesn't mess with their aim. And what you have to actually do is they have to kill somebody in a mission without being hurt. Okay, that's how you get them back. Okay. But. Once that happens, their will is sh- they come back with a stronger will than before. Right. So, you know, that's like that time you hurt yourself and I'm you're like, back and better I'm than stronger ever. than ever. The patch set. This is where they record hey. the patch. Yeah. Cool. Guys, yeah. What's up? Cameo. Hey, how are you guys hey. doing? We're not recording. We're streaming. Show us how much they know. Um, <laughs> are we recording the stream? Shut up. No. Oh, sorry. Never mind. Uh, but yeah, I'm still having a lot of fun with it. Right now, I'm in the middle of... I'm. I'm so now I'm, I'm reduced to this stage where, like I said, I'm, I'm doing this mission with all rookies, and I've figured out there's three different groups of enemies I need to kill. I've killed the first two groups, and there's just one group left, uh-huh. and everyone's down to, like, one health, 
And it's just like, how am I going to get these four people through killing the last three without how them did dying? You get uh, such dire straits. Health potions. Duh. Yeah, those out, out of medikits. No what? medkits. Yeah, I'm like, I got nothing. My grenades are all gone. <laughs> Do you have a healer? Yeah, but he's out of medkits. Gotta have the medkits. My good. What about sutures? Does he have sutures? There are no sutures. Mm-mm. My good specialist staples with the, the healing uh, gremlin is gone. Well, he's incapacitated. Okay. So it's like I've got like a rookie, like or I guess a squatty <laughs> specialist who whose gremlin can't even heal. So you were basically out of medkits before you started. Yeah, I am in bad shape. I almost I almost made it um, last night, but then a mouton fucking destroyed me. If um, I mean, if you fail, can you? Try it again. That's what I'm doing. I just keep reloading a save. I'd, okay. No, yeah. If you fail the there. mission and just continue, then you're done. Like that mission I see. was a failure. So you have to load. It, you have guys. to load it from within the mission. So you're dealing with the same mm-hmm. group of, of players in the I same could, situation. I could time. reload the whole scenario, but I feel like where I'm at now is as good as I can possibly <laughs> do. Like <laughs> they also they've got it in in. Uh, there's a mode that you can turn on if you do like a custom game type where it will re-roll, but by default it does not. Is what I understand. So, re-roll? What do you mean? So if you reload from the save and try to make the same shot, if you failed the first time, you're going to fail forever. That's not necessarily true. It is true. No, I, I swear. I've, I've in, in If you change any variable that may ch- work out differently, like if you move them to a different spot or if you do something else, but if you do the exact same action the exact same way, it will have the exact same result. I feel okay, like I've been... so all you have to do is you have to edge it tomorrow that shit. Yeah, that's, that's basically what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I've been in a scenario where that's true. The aliens moved into a certain position. I countered by moving my people into a certain position. Mm-hmm. Fired, missed, reloaded the save. They moved. Maybe not everyone moved the same, but the target and the shooter moved, and then the shooter was able to make a shot the second time. I'm gonna double check this, but it's definitely an option you can turn on. Uh, and I think it only applies to obviously you know it can't predict the entire future of the game, so it only applies to things like if you reload one move back. Mm-hmm. And just try and make the exact same shot. Um, yeah, maybe there were some other variables that were slightly changed in the scenario that I'm not aware of or that I wasn't thinking of at the time. It doesn't take much, I think, to ch- make it a different okay. result. But if you do the exact same action, like if you just save and try and hack shoot, shoot, over, shoot, over shoot, and over okay, and over, yeah, over again, it's never going to work. Okay, I see. Yeah, that, that was not what happened. Mm-hmm. It was, there, was, there were some variables to it then. I mean, you've been throwing a lot of time at it. I've seen you playing it a lot on scene. Like every time I'm on my, my PC, it comes up, it's like... Because it's Plan XCOM 2. I think um, 22 hours in. Okay. Um, yeah, and I'm not anywhere near finishing it. I think uh, if you look up on how long to beat, it's like a 23 or 24 hour game. And I'm, I'm not near the end. I just keep reloading stuff that's all fucked up. Yeah, I really like how long to beat, but I have to take its estimates and then add a ton of time for me. Because I seem to play games way slower than average. Mm. Save scumming, that's what it's called. Save, Save scumming. scumming. Yeah. All right. Um, Saving scum. Um, the other thing I've been playing besides that is I finally, last night I finally downloaded, I, I got so frustrated with the XCOM mission, I was like, I gotta play something else. So I, uh, I downloaded and started playing Firewatch. <laughs> which is, uh, it, Did it, you ever finish it? I no, we've only done that one Let's Watch so far. Um, I'm not done with it. I think I'm most of the way done. Just It, I, the, it, I ended, up, it ended up getting late <laughs> and I, I stopped playing. Well, um, when you finish it, I would love to have more discussion with you about it. We talked about it uh, last week at the end of the patch. We saved it mm-hmm. to the, the very end so we could um, discuss a couple of spoilers. We, we saved some details for Ryan since he um, hasn't finished it. But um, clearly, I have a very, very different opinion about the game than a lot of people. Mm. I'm really liking it so far. Uh, obviously, I'm not done with it, so I don't, I don't know. But it's, it's definitely very 
how can you say, very light on the gameplay. It's, it seems almost more atmospheric, like walking mm-hmm. around and, you know, just like, even though the whole disposable camera thing, just like finding cool stuff to look at and taking Because they're photos. the ones that will send you a physical photo of whatever you take stuff. pictures of, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a very cool thing. And I was reading the story also on Polygon that they published the other day, I think it was on Sunday, saying, you know, when you find the, this is really early in the game, it's not a spoiler at all, when you find the teenagers in the beach that are skinny dipping, mm-hmm. yeah. that, you know, the boombox is playing a song, that I guess that's a fairly new song, it only came out fairly recently, here it is, it came out fairly recently, but the band that made it intentionally made it like an 80s style pop song, it's like an homage to 80s pop. Like, a, like that sort of one hit wonder. Right. 80s. There were so many of those in the 80s. And uh, so, uh, you, and you can listen to it. I think the song is called Push Play by uh, a band called Cheap Talk. And they've got it up on uh, SoundCloud, I believe. Yeah, so that's, that's actually pretty cool. I was just gonna say, so that's what happens if you don't throw their shit in the lake. I didn't throw their stuff in the lake. They just called <laughs> me a pervert. In the lake. They just called me a pervert. Well, you're a pervert. You're not, spying on rude. two, you know, naked teens skinny dipping. They weren't supposed to be naked. Those bitches were setting off fireworks. It's a fire and, hazard. And drinking. And, and drinking. drinking underage. That's why I confiscated all their liquor and really fireworks. bad and about underwear. something. <laughs> um, didn't you? What? I didn't realize you could clean up their their the cans. aluminum cans until like much later when I got to like the utility pole. Then I was like, oh man, I left all those other cans out. I, I spent c- so <laughs> much time cleaning, cleaning up. up those cans. Right. I was like, like oh, I should have picked them I, up. Uh, I didn't realize that you could do that until I, I had literally gone through and chucked everything for in their camp into the fire. <gasps> I was like, oh, crap. And I had to, like, walk through it and just kick them out of the fire before it would let me pick them up. Uh, by the way, jumping back, it uh, yes, you uh, doing things in the same action, the same order for XCOM 2 will have the same outcomes. Uh, but it is possible to change things if uh, you just change the order of things that you do. So if you do it in a different order, you may get a different result. If you do the exact okay. same thing over and over again, like if you save fire. right before a shot. Okay. It's always going to have the same result. Okay, yeah. In that case, that, that makes sense for what I experienced. Right. Okay. That's, and in second wave, you can actually, or whatever the XCOM 2 version of it is, you can turn it so it's always a fresh roll. Yeah, I don't like that. I think that, because that, that just encourages, I'm sure that's why they do it. It's that it just encourages you saving before every shot and then reloading mm-hmm. if you don't like the outcome. Right. Uh, which, I don't know. I, that's somehow different in my head than but what I'm doing. But it could be super helpful <laughs> for you right now. It could be super helpful for me right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the, the make matters worse is this is one of those missions where, the one where I'm stuck, where you're trying to intercept supplies. Mm-hmm. So there's like parts of the map you can't blow up or you have to be careful not to destroy. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a fucking nightmare. I, yeah, so, I don't know. That might get you out of the situation. Just blow all that shit up and maybe the mission will end. Right, but I, I'm trying to succeed. <laughs> I want that stuff, and I want to kill the aliens. Oh, you got a bunch of dead rookies on your hand is what I'm hearing. And one squatty. And one squatty. You might as well just try and get them out of there if you can. Yeah, it was, it's not. I, I've even gone back, and I've tried to restart the mission with, like, different combinations of, of characters, and it's just, it's not going well. I, uh, it actually was an interesting experience when we did the Let's Watch in it, because so often I am so... Like scared of new units, like you'll run into something that you've never seen before. It's like, well, I got to kill that with everybody I got. Yeah, and I'll do that. And I've, I realized at a certain point that there are some uh, enemies in the game that I've never actually seen attack. <laughs> like, I, like I, what? whenever I see them, like the uh, the the gatekeeper. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I kill those immediately. You if just I see, them. see something new and just dog. And I kill the shit out of those it. things. Are really annoying. They. 
That's probably my least favorite enemy type in the game. You have not seen them attack? Well, I have now because I okay. later in the game I figured out I could or it was certain characters will be able to like mind control them. Mm-hmm. So I took one over and I've used it to attack. But I never actually got attacked by it. Yeah, they have that AoE field that basically yeah. unloads everyone's gun and mm-hmm. then if you stay in there one round it blows up. No, that's the uh that's the little cipher guys. Oh, that's not a gatekeeper? No, the gatekeeper's a big orb thing. Oh, I haven't gotten that far then. Okay. Yeah, I'm, even though I'm like 22 well, when hours you in, see them, I'm still really early in the kill game. Kill them. Okay. Because they actually have they have an ability where it's it's another AOE attack, but anything that dies in it comes back as a size zombie. Oh, I hate I hate size zombies. Because it feels like <laughs> such a waste shooting them. Like mm-hmm. it's it's you're wasting turns. You should just be shooting the sectoid yeah. to end the the size zombie takeover. I don't know if you uh, had it happen yet, but we also discovered in that let's watch that they can resurrect your dead players. Yep, I've had that happen. Yeah, that's like an extra fuck you. Yeah, no, it was great because uh, I think Gavin was the first to die, and it resurrected Gavin's character. We, we did it by everybody controlled one character, essentially. Um, and Gavin's was the first to die, and then he got resurrected and tried to kill Michael. So it was it worked out so amazing. It was perfect. Yeah. It's true to life. It really was, yeah. Have Not you, to spoil that video if you haven't watched it, but you should watch it. It was actually really good. Um, have either of you guys played Unravel? Mm-mm. I haven't played it yet. No. So that came out, um, I guess, that came out on the 9th, so it's been out for a couple, couple of weeks, weeks now. Yeah. I didn't realize. I That was one of the games coming out of E3 that I really, I thought looked amazing. I thought mm-hmm. Yarning was the cutest shit ever. <laughs> and uh, then it sort of went quiet, and then the game was out, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, I've played Unravel. I was like, what? Wait, what? Mm-hmm. When did it come out? And apparently you guys released a ton of achievement guides in it. Yeah, I saw Jeremy play a lot of it, so I've watched him play. Uh, yeah, I somehow missed it. I think, I think I might have lost the actual release in everyone talking about Firewatch. Yeah, it was around that time. Um, but either way, I uh, I ended up playing it over the weekend. I really enjoyed it. It's, um, you know, when you saw the E3 trailer, it was uh, like it's a cute little, you know, side scroller with as a as a dude with yarn, and it's um it's beautiful. It looks. Yes, it makes yeah, me think of gorgeous. Little Big Planet and uh-huh. Yoshi's Woolly World, like combined in a one. Yeah, it's um it's got a really cool aesthetic in the way that it plays with scale, because mm-hmm. you're just this tiny little dude, and everything is huge, and so all these everyday objects take on a lot more significance. And sometimes that's good, and sometimes it's bad. Like, you know, crows can uh-huh. bite me because they're all dick, <laughs> crows can <dick> bite <laughs> me. But uh, you know, you you end up making your way through the super ordinary world, but it seems extraordinary because everything is just huge. Uh-huh. And uh, the challenge, actually, of getting from checkpoint to checkpoint, because you only have a certain amount of yarn. <laughs> of your body? Yeah. That you're like, like, otherwise, like, you run out and you get stuck and you can't get to the next checkpoint. You have to backtrack and collect more of your yarn and find a more efficient way to do it and then get to the objective. It's so, an interesting mechanic. It is. It's something that I haven't really seen done before, and that made it unique, which is good, because a lot of the puzzles were a little bit repetitive after a while. They're, you know, they're really cool the first time, and then you go, oh, now every time I see this, I know that this type of puzzle is coming up, and so you know, push the rocks or the apples or whatever it is this time. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I, from the visuals and just from what I've seen over Jeremy's shoulder that they did that was really cool was it's a 2D side-scroller, essentially, but they really have a lot of depth. Like, mm-hmm. they play with the depth of field. Even, even you saw a minute ago, like, you come by the fence, and the fence, you've got that zone where it's perfectly in focus, and then way out in the distance, right. you've got it. It feels so much more natural-looking uh, than a lot of other 2D 
type things that just don't ever come out of the screen to right. you. Yeah, and that um that actually comes into play too. There's uh one point uh, where I think it's um and they showed it in the announcement trailer, but I don't think the gameplay I captured had it where um you're going along through an open field and you're trying to get to avoid getting attacked by crows mm -hmm. and you know one is about to dive you because you see it very blurry in the distance oh, and suddenly getting cool. bigger yeah. and closer and more in focus and so they come like other things and objects uh, will come at you out of that distance cars mm -hmm. too at one point you're crossing a road and, and cars crows. drive over <laughs> uh so it's a cute game. There, there were a couple of minor frustrations in the repetitiveness of the puzzles. And uh, also, I feel like the announced trailer pulled a movie trailer on me and put some of the best parts of it mm. in, in that trailer. So a lot of the really cool stuff that happens, it all happens in the game. There's one point where you're on a little boat and you basically rope a fish and it carries you along. But all, all those are the highlights of stuff that happens. Uh, and they leave all the mundane stuff out. So it's it ends up, like, that trailer was a highlight reel of the game. Ah, yeah. that's a shame. You know, that's a, I still think it's worth what, playing. What platform did you play it on? I played it on PC. Oh, there it is. Um, yeah, so ah. there we go with them coming out of the distance. Uh, that's cool. And uh, it, I played it on PC, but it's also on PS4 and Xbox One. That was another thing is initially, I, I think because they presented it at a Sony conference, I had this weird thing in my head of thinking that this game was a PlayStation exclusive and it's yeah. not. Mm. Um, so I, I played it on PC. I, um, I had to install Origin on my new PC and oh. I was, I was kind of sulky the whole time. I went to, I was like, oh, it's on PC. Went to Steam. Not there. Not there. Yeah. Had to install I, Origin. Yeah, I've been playing, I played Firewatch on my uh, PC using the Steam link on my TV. Mm. And I think that's like the perfect use for it. It's not like a twitchy, mm -hmm. you know, first person shooter and still it looks beautiful. I'm really, I'm really liking that Steam Link. Yeah, Steam Link's sweet. Mm -hmm. I, I really like it for uh, playing games on the treadmill too. Mm. It's nice. I want a Steam Link that'll work with the Vive though. It's gotta. I mean, what, it's gonna be hard to do. What do you that mean? Well, I mean, I want a, a device where I can have a Vive in a different room from my main computer. That's gonna be. I mean, that might be also like I a see. wireless bandwidth issue. It's yeah. a, well, it's gonna I be a latency see. issue. Um, I mean, even yeah. if it's hardwired. Um, that's yeah. going to be hard to do, but that's what I'm uh, hoping we get to at some point. It's almost uh, like if you could, I think, I mean, a possible solution, it's not elegant solution, yeah. but a possible solution would be like USB over Cat5, where mm -hmm. you like wire Cat5 to your room and then like tunnel all Just of your ports. USB, yeah, for over Cat5 back to your computer that then transfers back from Cat5 to USB. Yeah. Yeah, that would I mean, be you like could the do it. way to do it. It's, yeah. Uh, the problem with VR is already the persistence of vision and. Uh, the responsiveness has to be so sharp to stop you from just vomiting over everything mm -hmm. in your room uh, that any delay imparted in even wire transition could potentially make it feel icky. Oh yeah, mm. I didn't even think about that. The yeah. I mean, there's that stuff's normally that's really low enough fast, latency but, yeah. that you're probably okay. But, but still, making the transition from one format to another, I didn't think about. I would say you'd probably have to do HDMI, uh, an actual in-wall HDMI, and uh, USB. Yeah, but even when you do that, like. HDMI transfer distance is very limited. Yeah, all like those, your those cables cable have length, to be pretty short, right? Yeah, it would not yeah. be very far, yeah. Yeah. I know, it was um, on the subject of Vive, though, they announced the uh, price at yeah. $800. Let me read this, Yeah, okay. and we'll talk about Vive. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about that. Um, I want to remind everyone, this episode of The Patch is also brought to you by Squarespace. 
Thanks to Squarespace for sponsoring this episode of The Patch. I just said that. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code PATCH at checkout and get 10% off. With Squarespace, you can build sites that look professionally designed, regardless of skill level, no coding required. They offer intuitive, easy-to-use tools to help along the way, and you get a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use offer code PATCH to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, build it beautiful. You could build a Vive fan website or <laughs> whatever you want. Just go out there and make a website. Um, it's, and it's super, super easy to use. Basically, it's just drag and drop for uh, all your website design. But anyway, getting back to the Vive. So yeah, they announced pricing at seven ninety nine, and they announced um, everything it's coming with too. So um, it's coming; it comes with two of the the hand motion controllers, mm-hmm. um, which is might be the the big reason it costs two hundred more than Oculus Rift because that, Rift does not. And the lighthouses. Well, the lighthouses are essentially. I mean, I mean, the Rift comes with its own. I'm not going to say lighthouse. They they work out very two different very very different principles in that the Rift has the uh, offloads the tracking to the sensor. So the Rift has a sensor as well that sits on your desk, mm-hmm. whereas the uh, the Vive has the sensors in the headset, and they look out mm-hmm. and see the two lighthouses. So the lighthouses are dumb when it comes to, uh, like, the Vive hardware. But you get two of the, the lighthouse stations, which are just filling your room full of IR, IR. basically, mm-hmm. uh, and then the two controllers and then the headset with the camera, which is another kind of difference from the Rift. I feel like people were not nearly as upset about this price point announcement. Maybe they were expecting, maybe the Oculus had primed them for stuff to be expensive, mm-hmm. but people were up in arms about the Oculus price, and I didn't really hear as much outrage about the vibe. I mean, I was definitely initially shocked by the Oculus price because I, I thought that they would try to hit a lower price point to drive more adoption. Mm-hmm which they're clearly not going for in this case. And so for, that's when you get that sort of slippery slope where you're like, well, 600, and I guess 800 is only 200 more than that. Oh, God, and that's, that's a lot of money. It's so much money. But you also look at like, well, with Oculus, if I was going to buy the motion, the, the Oculus touch controllers, when that comes out, that would probably True. make it equal. And so I don't, I don't feel like... In the end, operationally speaking, it's going to cost that much more. They demand pretty m- very, almost the same hardware requirements. I think the Oculus pretty wants four on. gigabytes more of RAM, but <laughs> realistically, that's, yeah, that's that's I, not asking. I much. mean, I would argue though that they are shooting a low price point for Oculus. I think they're probably cutting it pretty close to cost to get it out there. Um, it's not cheap to make what they made. Your phone is a eight hundred to a thousand dollar piece of hardware. Um, and this is basically the same screen or higher resolution screen and all the tracking technology and software that goes into it. So while your phone can make calls, this is also a very high-tech device that you're putting on your face. Well, so, and, it, and it's a first-generation thing, so mm-hmm. uh, you know, er, early adopters always get hit with that sort yeah. of thing. Economies of scale should drive it down in the future as they mm-hmm. make more and get mm-hmm. bigger orders. You think since Oculus is owned by Facebook that they'd have some kind of deal where you could agree to let... Oculus post to your Facebook timeline oh. in exchange for $50 off the price. You want to do it like the Amazon Fire, uh, like the tablet, right, where right. You, can, you can get a lower cost version if you're okay with them showing ads on your, uh, on your tablet. Right, right. Yeah, same kind of thing, but you got like Facebook ads inside of your <laughs> games or, or things like that. I absolutely paid more on my Kindle to not get ads on it. Ah, man. I, whatever. It's just a lock screen. Nope. I'll take that 20 30 bucks off. Nope. <laughs> Did not want did not want, but uh, the the vibe seems like it's got a lot of really cool stuff going on, and it's also uh, launching 
like a like early April, April so yeah, it's early April. not more than a few weeks off people who are getting the the first shipment of of rifts. Yeah. In fact, I I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people who were planning on getting rifts but mm-hmm. were they're backordered out to June might just say fuck it and get a vive if Maybe. they can get it early. I I mean, they're very compatible, they're very comparable platforms. Several things that you can get if it, it it's kind of a weird question right now, but Basically, both devices can run off the OpenVR standard. Uh, that doesn't mean there can't be exclusives. Like things that run on Steam VR, I think will have to go through the OpenVR standard. So, uh, things that are on that ecosystem may work on both devices, though not necessarily supported by both mm-hmm. devices in terms of control input. Um, but uh, there will definitely be the Oculus exclusive titles if they're using the Oculus SDK. That being said, it's, I think it's very easy to port one to the other. Mm-hmm. They're not that exclusive. So you could very... I mean, they've been able, able to... Things like Vorpex has been able to inject Oculus Control into non-VR games, period. I wouldn't Is think this, it'd be that difficult. Yeah. Are we going to enter... Do you, like, the, Will this hopefully avoid issues like we had when 3D cards first became standard? When it's like, oh, you need a 3D FX card to play this game, or, oh, this works on OpenGL, this one works on Direct3D. Right, because in the beginning, those ones were very much at odds. Right. I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure one of my, one of my first cards was an OpenGL-only card, and so like, there were games do, that it just wouldn't Yeah, DirectX. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we hope. I mean, there's going to be some standouts that are... Well, I mean, if nothing else, just the control input here at the beginning is going to set a real difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Also, the side things that you can do with it. So uh, I've not seen really any social implementation <coughs> of the Vive yet. Like, there are things like Altspace VR and Janus VR that say they're going to support it, but I, I can't play with it yet. Uh, the other thing that really sets the two apart in my mind is this, this notion of room-scale VR is a big thing, but it's also occasionally inconvenient. Uh Having it set up in your house, a lot of times I feel like the Oculus is much easier to sit down at my computer if I want to do something and and interact with than the Vive is because just the nature of how my house is set up and how a lot of people's houses are set up, if they're not going to completely remake their life to support a VR headset, it's a little bit harder to get a good setup for mm-hmm. both sitting and standing. Yeah, I was saying, I was joking earlier, we were looking at uh, some of these headsets, that how long is it until someone makes a peripheral that's like that arm at the car wash that manages mm-hmm. the, the, what do you call it, the hose. Yeah. So it's just like above you, you put it in your ceiling, and it just like ha- it's the arm that follows you around and keeps the cords off of the ground and uh, keeps it so you don't trip on it. I can't wait till yeah, I, w- until they're wireless. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be... That's the latency nice bar- barrier again. Is once they can break that someday, someday, and battery. Well, yeah, Batter- batteries for everything though. Um, you know, I keep seeing uh, mobile game or like mobile manufacturers. I think Arm said it, and uh, and now Samsung is is going for it with their Galaxy S7, where they're all trying to push. They're trying to like appeal to hardcore gamers, mm-hmm. and uh, Arm thinks that VR is where mobile games can do it. And uh, after making those comments, a lot of people were like, oh, we have no desire to play, you know, Flappy Bird mm-hmm. in VR. And it's like, that's, I don't think that's what that is. Mm-hmm. Like, they actually want to get hardcore games, but use, you know, like, like Samsung Gear VR, mm-hmm. where it becomes the goggles, and you use a normal controller, and you play normal games, all kinds of stuff. But it, because mobile phones are going to have more raw horsepower mm-hmm. than the current generation of consoles by the end of, Probably next year. Yeah, well, I mean, 
mobile devices iterate much more frequently. You know, you have exactly. a new mobile device every year. every year or maybe even less, whereas a console you look at, you know, it's seven years old. By the time the 360 and the PS3 reached into their life, you know, they were shiny bits of hardware at the beginning. Then by the end, you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe this <laughs> still has this old piece of crap in it. Yeah, although I was continually impressed with how hard developers managed to squeeze those consoles by the end. They got every little resource out of them. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, I mean, it's, it is inevitable that newer technology you know, even with a mobile, will eventually be more powerful than, than consoles. But I do find it interesting that they're, that that's where they think they can get oh. hardcore gamers is as a VR goggle. Although they're going to have to do something about storage and they're going to have to do something about battery well, in order for them to be any good. Battery, right. It's always the same complaint. But it makes me wonder, like, you're talking about all this horsepower in, in mobile devices, right? It makes me think back to the early PS3 launch stuff, talking about, like, cell architecture and how it would be cool if you could harness that power somehow, like, have your own, basically, home cloud of computing where your phone chips in, your console chips in, your TV chips in, like, everything has various processing so you have like a pool of processors <laughs> that can drive you know a vr headset i just really like the idea of my thermostat handling all of the weather dynamics <laughs> yeah but it would, be, it would be cool to have like a like a localized distributed computing infrastructure in your house because there's already you know if you've got an ipad or a mobile a tablet that's sitting there not doing anything like why can't it chip in some processing that's power CPU to help cycles like, that like could be doing something well get, get to work lazy bones basically seti right or bitcoin right. mining is all mm -hmm. just based off of whatever leftover hardware that's not doing anything at the moment yeah. and, but I, I feel like we really now have even more of a proliferation of that mm -hmm. hardware i guess it's just a matter of like getting having it all talked together you know because everything's and got different enough. architecture right fast enough to be useful especially when you're talking vr or anything first person essentially is it's got to react like, it doesn't need the data five minutes from now. It needs instantaneously updates of whatever it's trying to do. And that's mm -hmm. going to be tough, too, because, uh, you know, I remember reading something like there's going to be more than 50 household items of yours that are going to connect to the network. The, you know, the whole Internet of Things that everyone's got going on. Like, your light bulbs could potentially be part of that. Mm -hmm. But um, wireless, I think it's wireless standards, are actually looking at um, offering slower bandwidths for those types of things, like which it's like, hmm. so you have all these things connected to the network, but a, a lot of them, like even though more, you get more and more and more, they might be totally useless for helping out in a practical way mm -hmm. beyond their base function. Right, yeah, like a light bulb, to use yeah. an example. Lazy dick bags. So, uh, my light bulb can do a lot more, <laughs> it's just not. Not lazy light bulbs. Not related to video <laughs> games, but somewhat related on the topic that we're talking about mm -hmm. right now. Uh, I was showing Ryan this article I read earlier about how a, um, a developer, I believe in Norway, who owns a Nissan Leaf, discovered uh -oh. that all of the API calls in his car were unsecured. So he had another friend with a, a Nissan Leaf in California. So they coordinated, and via the Internet, he was able to take over control of the car from his computer knowing that like all these API calls were unsecured because there's a phone app for it, like to start yeah. your car, yeah. set the temperature and, and all of that. And so like when we talk about the Internet of Things, that's what really worries me about it is how secure is all of this stuff that's, you know, your car, in your stuff that's in your house. Mm -hmm. You know, is it really secure from someone even just looking at it going like, oh, there's no authentication required to, right. to learn. Just, just wait till someone starts fucking with your nest. Yeah, right. really. For those of you who don't know, by the way, API calls means basically you could issue commands to the programming of the vehicle mm -hmm. uh, remotely without logging in. Right. So anyone could just say, start car mm -hmm. uh, at a programming level, and it would. 
Mm-hmm. Is there like a eject passenger or blow up car? They were going to add that this year. They yeah? were going to add blow up car, and mm-hmm. they decided it was not safe. I bet it's harder what? with You're electric cars, me. right? Weird. <laughs> no, I guess if they got lithium batteries, those will psh, yeah, really good. Or just burn a hole right through the, <laughs> the yeah. container. Every time the Tesla updates, we cheer that it doesn't brick itself. That's awful. Like, it's coming. It's coming. Don't brick my car. There will be a point in time where something will happen. Maybe it gets halfway through installing and something dies, whatever. We're going to come out and our car is going to have bricked itself. Do you think it'll make that noise like the Roomba does? It's like... Do you remember years ago? Maybe you don't remember this, but... Um, Maybe you don't remember. Well, because you never used Macs when you were. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. But uh, wh- like when you would start up a Mac, they would have like the little Happy Mac logo. Have you ever seen the Sad Mac logo? Yeah, it's so sad. If like there was a firmware problem, or if there was like a core hardware problem, instead of smiling, like the screen would turn black and the Mac would frown, mm. and it would give you a hexadecimal error code, which was super helpful before the internet. Let me tell you. Like, <laughs> oh no! Oh, X C F A C seven? No, not seven. <laughs> Two. Quick, to the hotline. Yeah, no idea what that mm-hmm. means. Yeah, Or the giant manual that was probably this thick. Yeah. We did used to get some pretty sweet manuals. It was probably what you were using to hold up one corner of your desk yeah. or something. <laughs> I remember one time I was working in a computer lab in high school, and uh, it was like the first thing in the morning, and everyone was getting in and turning on their Macs. And I'd never seen a sad Mac before, and then I heard the noise, and I turned around and looked at it, and I was like, oh, that's weird. You know, that Mac mm-hmm. just booted up with a sad Mac. And then the one immediately to its right did a sad Mac. Uh-oh. And the one immediately to its right, sad Mac. It's spreading. And then I was like, turn that one off. <laughs> don't don't, don't <laughs> let that computer boot anymore. And there was no reason. It was just three isolated, weird, random coincidence. But for some reason, there were like three in a row, and they were right next to each was other. Was it? Or was it one guy that was there yesterday that was like, oh, that, that, oh, that really <laughs> That's like Mac. the new sad Mac. This was a, a little different. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Someone on Twitter has, has given me a wonderful platform to speak on. Um, uh, Nesegsar. Um, on Twitter says that until mobile can match the scope, story, and atmosphere of Morrowind or Ocarina of Time, they won't give a damn. Let's talk about that. Because this, this is the misunderstanding that keeps coming up when it comes to mobile games wanting to take on hardcore gamers. I really don't think all of these mobile gamers are saying that they want you to go out and play Bejeweled or Candy Crush or whatever, and they want hardcore gamers to do that. I think they legit want to get hardcore games working on those systems using a controller. Like, think of all the games you play on your console and just playing them through mobile with a normal controller and using it as a headset or screen or whatever instead. Not mobile games. Not your endless runners. Not that shit that you have to swipe and tap and none of that. Normal games. I think the real problem it comes down to is is something we've been talking about a couple, touched on a couple times in this episode, is battery life. You know, that's what I feel like a lot of times. You know, you can get beautifully rendered, you know, 3D immersive stuff, but, you know, it's going to tax your battery. Here's the thing, though. You're already talking about putting it into a device. Like, in this case, if you're going to convert it to a VR headset, you're going to put it into a Gear VR. Plug it in. The You could even have a battery built into the headset. I mean, yep. there's nothing saying that they can't have supplemental batteries there. Or you plug it in with the cable, which is what uh, that picture of Zuckerberg walking yeah. past the mm. crowd of zombies. They're all plugged in. But the other part of this is, when you're talking about VR and hardcore gamers... That hasn't been defined yet. There isn't what is hardcore a hardcore VR, game. VR gamer yet because mm-hmm. that is a genre that doesn't exist. I think exist. right now they're just assuming that hardcore gamers are getting into VR. Mm. So that there's not like hardcore VR gamers. It's hardcore gamers who pl- use VR. As a market. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't uh, think they're – you're right. There's not a uh-huh. thing for hardcore VR gamers. I mean, I guess people like you that bought – Oculus dev kits way years beforehand. It's just to have it early. You, you might count. Well, the company did. I didn't. But well, Gus bought it actually. Oh, and we we bought one too. I I don't think we have it set up right now. 
Um, but I, I think we will very soon reach that point where that scope mm-hmm. of game is possible, and we will we will see that you know an Elder Scrolls style game that's huge and open world. It just becomes a matter of I think standardizing inputs and standardizing mm-hmm. controls, you know, and figuring out what is it that everyone's going to work with. Because right now, you know, you if you're a developer, you make a game, you know, everyone has the phone. You're like, okay, I'm going to make an iOS or I'm going to make an Android game. I know that if they can run the game, they have generally this hardware feature set. You don't know what controller they have. So you have yeah. to rely on, you know, your... I can very, tell you what it's not. It's not the Steam right. controller. It's a <laughs> very basic touchscreen interface. So I think once we get a little further along and can standardize on control interfaces or improve control interfaces, mm-hmm. that's when we'll really see a turn in it. And as I you said, totally the yearly agree. refresh of the hardware means that essentially that can be next year. Mm-hmm. They could mm-hmm. have something where everybody agrees, okay, this well, is the mobile input standard, which Bluetooth is basically it already. Mm-hmm. Anything they'll talk Bluetooth. I think Apple, Bluetooth controller would totally work with that. Done. I, I think Apple didn't even allow for a thir- for controller support in iOS until iOS 8, which is, you know, we're on 9 right now. It's just the, the, the previous version. Yeah. So we're just reaching the point now where on the Apple site, they're iterating to get to that. Yeah. Now, Android, of course, has had it for forever probably yeah i honestly i see android driving a lot of this forward a lot more than someone like apple one because you know the the samsung like they just added water cooling to the galaxy s7 <laughs> it's water cooled you mean waterproof no water cooled they've got they've water, got water inside in it. it yes i know they just did an unboxing in a pool which was pretty cool. No, that that's that's pretty awesome. But yeah, yeah apparently it's it's actually water it's cooled got, as well. You can get um, water on the outside and, it and the mess inside. Up the water on the inside. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, get Android's just the place where that's going to be a little bit easier. Apple's philosophy when it comes to games is super weird in general. Like they're the ones who um, they just rejected Binding of Isaac for child abuse. You can have all the child abuse you want in movies or music or whatever, uh, but games, they don't allow it. Well, Android, or sorry, and, yeah, Android is a competitive within itself as a standard for robustness of hardware. So Apple is basically just competing against them, whatever right. they want to put out, whereas Android is, let's, so there's a company that wants to make a more aggressive, more powerful phone and get it out there. Yeah. And they don't care what Apple's doing. They just want to beat all the other Androids. The hourglass has run out. But yeah. there is one more thing I want to say before we go. Um, when, when the iPhone was first launched, I remember Apple said some rather negative things about games early on. Like even before at the infancy of the App Store saying that they did not want iOS or the iPhone to become a games platform. That that was not the point. And obviously they've changed a bit since. <laughs> you know, they added Game Center years later. And what? $4 billion this year? Right. Games are not bad. And, uh, yeah, I think the App Store really changed their mind about a lot of that. So <laughs> that's why they're, they're Crazy slow. Crazy how they, that happens. They were slow in adding Game Center. They were slow in adding controller support. But I think that uh, they're definitely coming around. All right. Well, thanks for watching, everybody. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. We'll have so many more we're things to We're doing a Game Club next week, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, shit. i got to get on that. Club is, yeah, it's, so it's Life is Strange. Is strange. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Uh, March 2nd. That's the one. Cool. All right. So well, we'll, we'll see you guys, then. and we'll be talking about uh, Life is Strange next so week. So play Life is Strange. Bye. <laughs>